Russell Brody Westbrook just got traded to the fucking Houston Rockets for CP3 and his fucking ridiculous contract and two first round picks. Yo! All right, everybody, what's going on? It's your boy, Empire Jeff, and welcome you to an edition of the Agree to Disagree podcast. I am writing solo today. Uh, well, technically, I've been solo so far to start this podcast. I'm still lining up guests. Just deal with it. Um, but anyways, yo, Brody got shipped to Houston. Houston, you have a new problem. Yes, you do. Now, we'll get on that in a second. Let, let, let's, let's, let's talk about their old problem, CP3, as in just ran himself out of his third team. Um, just no one likes playing with this guy. You, you know, no one likes playing with this guy. He, he shares the rock. You know, he does. He, he gets players involved. But, you know, Big Baby Davis said it best. Yeah, he likes to pass and assist if it's his way. Dribble, 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 dribble. And then when the shot clock's at like four, he decides to pass or shoot. So we know CP3's game. We know that. And we know how when he got traded to Houston, how we really didn't feel that was going to work with James Harden. The record uh, improved. Uh, They played great um, as far as regular season, which Dan Tony's teams usually do. But then, you know, as they get, they get deeper in the playoffs, you know, they sometimes got tested early and then, you know, kind of bulldozed and then got to the to the West Finals and injuries. You know, CP3 gets hurt every single year, every year. Usually he couldn't make it out of the second round because he got hurt. And this time, you know, he made it out of the second round mainly because he had Harden, but who eventually does burn out himself. But then CP3 is just going to get hurt, a hammy. An ankle, a hand, a wrist, something is going to break. And, you know, it kind of comes back to that little point guard syndrome of why, why kind of like why teams were scared to offer Isaiah Thomas big money. One of the big reasons why he even got traded from Phoenix to Boston in the first place was that Phoenix had no intention of paying him long term. Boston got there. He thrived in Brad Stevens' system, but they did not want to pay him long term. CP3 got paid long term. He got paid he, they took him in. He opted in on that last year with the Clippers so he could be moved and keep keep those bird rights. And then he proceeds to sign a four-year extension on top of that. Fourth year is a player's option, of course, but he's no way giving up that fourth year. It's too much money. The most money he's ever made a year in his life is on that fourth year. He's not giving it up. So it's So Houston got rid of that problem. They got rid of that problem. That's now OKC's problem. I don't know how long it'll be that problem. They're probably they're gonna look to get him off those books, um, potentially with Miami, but they're gonna have to give Miami something to take that that contract. So that Houston problem is gone. That Houston problem is gone. Um, James Harden Houston problem is still there. His usage rate, um, the amount of shots he takes and misses towards as the playoffs build and build and build. Capella's a great regular season performer, often injured as well. But he becomes kind of useless in the playoffs and he kind of gets phased out and teams expose him and they kind of go away from him and then it's just back on Harden. But now, now you got Brody. Now you got Russ. Now you got the freaking freight train with a basketball and the mad dogs and the, and the growls and the stare downs. 
And that's a whole different problem, Houston. Whole different problem. Now, what are those problems, you say? Well, with Russ, it's a little different than CP3. CP3 can bother you sometimes with his play, but mostly it's his locker room presence. It's his on the bench. It's his, it's his poutiness. It's his, his attitude. His just always grinding his players, like expecting more, 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 more. Nothing's ever good enough. It, it's, it's not really uplifting. It's not. It, it, he goes about his business a certain way. Now with Russ, it's, it's different. He grinds his teammates a different way. Now as far as locker room and on the bench and camaraderie and things like that, uh, players seem to love Russ. I mean, KD didn't hate Russ as a person. He just hated sharing the ball with him and vice versa. Russ felt that team was his. KD felt that team was his. There was just a natural breakup coming over time. Whereas now with Paul George, Paul George was naturally born to be just a second fiddle on that team. Like he just, he's not looking to be the main man. He's okay with it. He did that in Indiana, but he's not the best player on a championship team. Neither is Russ, but Russ thinks he is. So for PG, he was okay with going into Russ's city, into Russ's team and being that number two. He was fine with it. He was completely okay with it. Now, is Russ going to be okay going into another city, which is James Harden's city, and being a second option because James Harden is the first option? And is he going to respect D'Antoni, who is passive aggressive and whiny and kind of misdirective in, in, in the way he goes about his business? And it's just going to be interesting for me to see because, for one, you're losing... CP3 is not a dead-eye shooter, but he can shoot. And Russ, his shot is broken. I mean, broken. He cannot shoot. And he's only shooting like 65% from the free throw line. He can't shoot. You know, he bulldozes. He gets to the rim. He will give you those extra, you know, offensive rebounds for a guard. He will give you defensive rebounds. He will start the break. He will push, push, push. And he will bring aggressiveness 100%. There's no doubt about that. But what Russ gives you, he also takes away. Now, CP3 has slipped some defensively, no doubt. But Russ never was great defensively. Um, okay, team defender, he can blindside and block some shots and go over, you know, a center for a rebound because with his, you know, he's got some boost. But it, it, he's he's not a very good defender. He's not a good shooter. People look at these triple double numbers and they're inflated. They're 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 not in game numbers, and that sounds weird because they were in a game, but they're not in minutes that matter numbers. It's garbage time or he you know he's out there playing with a team as either already sat their players you know he's out there in the fourth quarter up by 20 chasing that 10th rebound you know what i mean like just begging for an injury to get that stat he's a stat chaser he's he, he he's like the the old u football teams back in the day where they they, they try to run that score up for, forget sitting anybody let's just run this score up as high as hell as we can get it and let's just let's just run these stats and that's kind of what russ is there's no load management with him. Um, he's not going to like any kind of talk of that. So it's going to be interesting for me to see how D'Antoni schemes this, how he works it, how he shares the ball. Um, because they move hard in the point guard the season before CP got there. And then they kind of had a point guard by committee with him and CP. Uh, and CP, for the most part, is okay without shooting. Um, he wants to be involved, but he's okay without taking a ton of shots. Russ not only wants to be involved, he wants the shots. 
So this is going to be extremely interesting to see how this all plays out. And what I mean by that is, let's just stop and think for a second how Houston runs their offense and how they scheme their offense. And we're not going to really talk about defense because they just don't really care about that. They'll, they'll give up defensive possessions just to get the ball back and shoot another three. So Houston's principles on offense are based off of three-pointers, dunks, and getting to the foul line. Getting to the foul line at the rim or getting to the foul line shooting at three. And shooting three free throws are getting the and one and taking the fourth. Now, Russ, anyone who watches Russ a lot, anyone who lo- who's a Russell Westbrook fan, and I'm a, and it's weird because this podcast is coming off like I'm bashing Russ, but I really am a Westbrook fan. I mean, I love the way he plays, like his intensity. I think he's really good at basketball. I just don't think he's a very good basketball player overall. I admire his abilities. I admire his aggression. But Russ, like, He's going to be focused strictly on two things, which anyone who's ever watched him has seen. is head down, getting to the rim to either make a play for himself or pass it off as he gets down there or draw a foul. Or he's looking at left of the elbow, right of the elbow, pull up. Stop on a dime, pull up, hit it, snare at you. That's what he's going to give you that, 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 just that snarly little stare, a snare. He's just going to look at you, right? That's his move. Now, for Houston and their analytic department, they're like, yo, that's a little few too many steps inside this three-point line, guy. We don't really fuck with that. You need to learn to step back a little bit, whether it's by a step back or you got to stop before you cross that line and you got to fire, you got to let it go. Because Houston reigns threes. They don't like the mid-range game and they don't like an overabundance of going to the cup. They want you to shoot the three. And Russ just doesn't do that. He just doesn't do that. Not at a high level and not at a good level. I mean, he's not Ben Simmons like. I mean, at least he shoots it. But he he that's it though. He doesn't he doesn't make them at a good rate. He just doesn't. But having said that, let's switch to a new tempo here. We've discussed the pros and cons CP3 versus Russ. We've broken down strategy. We we've gone through all that. But now let's try to see how perhaps Russell could fit with Houston. And then we'll potentially get, you know, the future of CP3 and what happens next with that. But as far as the pros to to Brody joining Houston, where I was like, you know, Houston, you have a new problem. Houston, you got rid of your new problem. Well, maybe there's some, let's say, okay, maybe Houston, you got a problem. But if you work out those problems... Here's some positive for you. So anyone who's watched Russ, and I've watched Russ play since high school. little backstory on me. Um, again, this podcast is new. A lot of you don't know much about me. You really don't know shit about me. But I coached AAU for a while. I coached travel ball for a while. And I mean years, about 10 years worth, right? I scouted these kids. I've seen these kids. I've seen a lot of these guys who are currently in the NBA who came from LA or the Southern California area or even Northern California and like Arizona um, Vegas, um, you know, Texas. I saw a lot of Southwest, basically, uh, basketball players in tournaments and nationals and stuff like that. So sidebar for that. So I've seen Russ play for a long time. I mean, a long time. I think I saw Russ the first time. I believe he was like in eighth grade. Um, he was really fast. He was springy. 
He didn't have a lot of height to him yet. He wasn't very strong yet, but he was extremely fast and extremely athletic, and he really grew into it. So from a personal standpoint, I really do root for Russ because I, I, I mean, I've known him. I've not known him. Sorry. I've seen him play since he was a, a kid, a child. So for me, I personally root for him. I root for his family. I, I really, really do. So now let's kind of flip the script here and take it kind of away from the negative that I was saying before. And I don't really want to label it negative, but it was just truthfulness of how the fit works. These aren't about individual players. It's about fit. Because I really do I really do love a lot of Russ Brooks' game. I don't necessarily like how he incorporates it all, but I really do love a lot of the traits to his game. Same with Harden. I love a lot of traits to his game. I just don't necessarily love how he puts it all together, but this isn't a pardon, uh, pardon, uh, <laughs> a Harden podcast. It is a Russ CP3 and Russ to the Rockets podcast. So, some positives about Russ. This team is going to be fast. I mean, just just think about it. So, Russ, who is an above average offensive and defensive rebounding point guard. I mean, just no doubt. He's all-time history um, rebounding point guards, right? Up there with Magic, up there. I mean, just, just anyone who's ever done it, he's he's there at the point guard position with rebounding, okay? So when he gets that rock and, and he starts pushing, and let's say he's up the middle of the court and he's got to one wing, James Harden, and he's got one wing, Eric Gordon, or one wing PJ Tucker, or even Gerald fucking Green. And you got Clint Capella on the slip to the rim. I mean, I, I mean they just they just picked up Tyson Chandler too. So so this guy just roams around the rim. So just just think about that. Shot goes up, shot comes off the rim, Russ gets it. I mean, just just think about the amount of time that it would take. He gets the ball, collects, and just books it towards the end of the court. I mean, the amount of time it's going to take him to cross center court with any of those options available to him is slim. I mean, that that clock is probably going to be at like 19, the shot clock, by the time he breaks half court. So if they can't get to the cup or they can't get a quick three, they probably got at least 19 seconds to figure it the fuck out at that point, right? So that is a massive, that's that that's better than that seven second unless that Steve Nash would even do because Nash didn't rebound the ball like that. You know, Raja Bell didn't rebound the ball like that. You know, Marion did, but but anyways, that's another team, another era. But what I'm saying is that where Russ gets that rock, his explosiveness, his quickness to get up the court, it's gonna make a massive difference. So if he's got Harden to the left and Gordon to the right, or vice versa, he's got Capella going to the rim. Or him pulling up at that elbow, learning to better be, be learning to be better from three, or just going straight to the cup. That's a threat. I mean, there's not many people in the league that want to stare down Russell Westbrook going downhill with Harden to the left, Gordon to the right, and Capella in the area. I mean, and PJ Tucker posted in that corner three, Robert Ory style. There's not many people who want to see that as a defender. So let's be fair with that. Now, the only question is, and I feel this is this is probably Russ's worst, just worst trait as a basketball player, 
is that decision making. What decision is he going to make? He's got Harden to the left, Gordon to the right, PJ in the corner, and Capella diving to the rim. What's he going to do when he has to make that split second decision? Because we haven't seen that throughout his career. Yeah, we've seen triple doubles. Yeah, we've seen double digit rebounding. Yeah, we've seen double digit scoring. But that's just going to get it. And I, this is different. Um, I, I, I really am intrigued to see how Russ handles the decisions as a Houston Rocket. Because let's be honest, CP3 decision-making is solid. He does the right play nine times out of 10. But with CP3, it's injuries in that last second of an important playoff game. It's funny because he got traded to, to OKC. But we remember when CP3 fell apart in OKC that led to the Clippers blowing that lead and losing that series to OKC. But having said that, CP3 is a point guard's point guard. I mean, his court vision is is up there. His his floor presence is up there. His awareness is up there. He knows what he's doing on that court. And we know it's dribble, 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 dribble. But it's also survey, survey, survey. Look, look, look. Observe, observe, observe. He's He dribbles a lot, but he's surveying. Like, we know this. Like, we can knock CP3 for a lot. But his court vision, I don't know if I can name, I mean, I don't know if I want to say five, but I don't think I can name 10 better players that I've ever read or seen play the game who had better court awareness and vision than CP3 from a point guard position. It would just be tough. Russ doesn't have any of that. CP3 can come down to court. Now, maybe he can't break court and have a decision to have the offense set to go on 19, by the 19th second. But CP3, for the second he gets the ball, it's like he got, it's like he's got eyes everywhere around his head. So his back of his head can completely be facing the other basket. And he may be getting a rebound or getting the ball from someone who just got the rebound. And he already knows where everyone's going, where they are, where they're going to be positioned, where they want the ball, where they want to shoot the ball. And it's someone like Capella's, in Capella's instance, where he's positioned to get a rebound when a shot comes off. Like CP3 is that surgical. He really is that surgical. What Russ is not surgical. He, he he's just a like a physical specimen. He just out of he just he's just too athletic for you. He's too fast for you. He's too strong for you. And when you mix it all together, you put athleticism, strength, and speed in a pot, you mix it up, throw some attitude in there. You got Russell Westbrook. But Chris Paul was much more science. So they're so different. <laughs> they're so different. So I struggle with trying to figure out which one was better for this team. So by getting rid of CP3, you give up so much that helped them get to where they are. Yeah, they didn't get to the top, but he helped them get so much of what they did get. And you're losing that. And with Russ, you're getting so much that you didn't have. But is it, but is it enough to replace what you had? By losing that, Floor general, that strategic genius, that knowing where everyone is. Is that getting the rebound crossing half court at at least 19 seconds left and just pulverizing everyone with physical ability? Is that better than being smarter? I don't know. I don't know. I've been watching basketball, living basketball 
since I can remember anything. I can barely remember anything more than I remember basketball. Like, when I was a child, like, my fond, my furthest memory is always basketball. And I just, having studied basketball my entire life, I struggle with this comparison. And that's why this was an important podcast to me. Is people look at the contract of CP3. They look at the conflict of CP3. They look at the locker room of CP3. And they look like they just look at the overall business of CP3. And there's a lot to question. But that man's ability, that man's grind, that man's sacrifice, that man's ability to control the game with never shooting. I mean, there's something in there, there's something precious about that. There always has been. Um, I didn't see CP3 play in high school. I saw him at Wake Forest. And I, I've just always been a fan of his. Um, it's just the things that Russ brings is much more physically, where CP brings much more cerebrally. And my question is, is which one of those attributes are more beneficial to James Harden, Mike D'Antoni, Daryl Murray, and the Houston Rockets? Because right now, I just don't know. Now let's backtrack a second. Let's backtrack to two summers ago when CP3... James Harden, and most likely Del Morey orchestrated CP3 to Houston. Let, 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 let's, just, let's just go back to that because I think it's important because hindsight is twenty twenty, right? And at the time, I even thought, damn, this is crazy. Not, not because CP3 left the Clippers. I didn't think that was crazy. What I felt was crazy is that Houston gave up Lou Williams, Patrick Beverly, Sam Decker, Montrez Harrell, for the right to get a man who they could have signed. Signed, had he opted out. So let's backtrack. They gave up Patrick Beverly. (laughs) I'm going to say it again. Lou Williams, Sam Decker, who's not relevant at this point in time, but Montrezl Harrell. Three of the four major contributors to what the Clippers currently have. And they only gave up those guys to ensure that CP could keep his bird rights with Houston. Because Houston was so desperate to pair a second star with James Harden after the original attempt of pairing of a second star with James Harden failed with the white, the tin man, Howard. Shout out to the white though. Hope he does well. But that was never going to work either. So you got to start the question. Daryl Morey is brilliant. Daryl Morey is brilliant. There's no doubt about it. But at one point, does desperation start to overtake that brilliance? And that's what I'm starting to wonder about with this Russell Westbrook trade. They tried for Jimmy Butler. 
They did. They tried for Jimmy Butler before he got traded from Minnesota. They did. They offered, I believe, I believe the reports were four first round picks just to get into the bidding to get him. And they lost out to Philadelphia. They tried this summer aggressively to get involved to get Jimmy Butler and lost out to Miami. But was Jimmy a fit? Again, so it, 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 this is going to be for a separate podcast. I've got a whole separate podcast planned around Kawhi and the whole Dynasty Slayer um, label that I feel is inaccurate. But that's another podcast for another day. But if they were going to take, everyone's riding that wave, right? You don't need a super team. The super team era is over. Look what Kawhi did. Like, let, let this say for a second that everyone's buying that bullshit. That just, let's just say, because everyone is riding that wave. One person said it. And the way today's media is, if one person says it, 10 other people pick up on it, right? So, but let's just say, let's just say that's the way that the, West, the rest of the NBA is going. That's the way Toronto went. That's the way everyone's trying to go right now. Houston isn't. Houston doesn't get it. Because what they should have done was break off that CP3 contract for more pieces as opposed to just going and getting Brody. But that remains to be seen. I, I could be a thousand percent wrong on that. There's no doubt about that. I could be an idiot six months from now. Shit, I'm an idiot right now with some shit. But what I'm saying is that perhaps I'm wrong. But sidebar, like when the Lakers were chasing Kawhi, deep down in me, I was always rooting for the fact that they would chase depth first, the third star. Because injuries and load management, there's just, I don't think the super team era is dead. I just think it's more risky than it was, you know, five, seven, or 10 years ago. It's just more risky now. I don't think it's dead. I just think it's a gamble. But what the Warriors did is like, they just didn't pay attention to that math. And I feel like Daryl Morey, who's very brilliant, is becoming very desperate. He's got a new owner who's already proven that he's going to wipe out a coaching staff that he doesn't feel is progressing. He's going to keep the head coach, but he got rid of his entire fucking staff. All of them. Bye. Peace. Gone. So Daryl Morey is probably looking like, damn, you know, I've been here a long time. I built this franchise. I've held it down. But this is, this is a new owner. You don't owe me shit. I need to get younger. I need to get star power. And I need to get wins. And I need to get to the motherfucking NBA finals. And that's what this trade was about to me. Is him doing what most GMs do which is not making trades or decisions to make their franchise better now and five years from now he made a decision to save his job which is what most GMs do now but having said all that I expect a very exciting season from the Houston Rockets I expect a very productive season from Russell Westbrook And James Harden, Clint Capella, Eric Gordon, and P.J. Tucker, if they keep them all. I mean, I I do expect them to all be very productive. I expect them to pick up other pieces. I expect them to be a solid 
solid team. Top four in the West. I I do. But I don't know how they add up in the playoffs, especially after they get out of the first round. I, I, I just don't know. D'Antoni, as, as my man Stephen A. Smith always mentions, I just don't know if he's got it to be able to police and coach these megastars and these egos. He's never been able to. I don't think he's going to learn now. But I am intrigued. We all are. As a basketball fan, as an NBA fan, I am intrigued to see how this works. And I'm also intrigued to see what happens with CP3. Because, I mean, let's think about it. CP3 is always at his best. He's always been at his best. And he will forever be at his best. When he is the number one option on the team with young talent. And giving him the keys to the castle. Now, I may be crazy. I may be crazy. But I think him in OKC is not terrible. Now, I don't think he's going to stay in OKC. But you got Shea, Gallinari, Robertson. Robertson, I apologize. Uh, Steven Adams. I mean, this is all currently constructed. This could change at any moment. But that's still a pretty gritty team. And you let CP3 run the show with some grit. And you got a fighting chance to make the playoffs. But having said that, I don't see them keeping him. I think they try to move him to Miami. I don't think Miami's going to try to give up a lot to get him. I think Miami's going to want compensation for taking on that contract. Off the top of my head. I just can't think of another team that's going to emerge. Um, I, Nick, I mean, I, I can't even see the Knicks doing it. Like, the Knicks need a veteran star name, but I don't see the Knicks taking on that contract. Now, would it surprise me for Dolan to do some stupid shit? No, but I, I struggle to see that. I feel he's perfect for what the Spurs do. I feel like Pop can prolong his career. But I don't see Pop and R.C. Buford, who's, to me, the top three GM in the league. I don't I don't see them rolling the dice on that contract. So the contract is so tough. Like, even if you move DeRozan for that, whose money is up there for a guy who gets you buckets and nothing else. Like, even if you move DeRozan for CP3, DeRozan's younger, like, CP3 aging out in San Antonio, I think that makes the most sense, but I just don't, I, I struggle to see them pulling the trigger on it. I struggle seeing even crazy ass Dolan pulling the trigger for it for New York. Miami, maybe. Miami, maybe. I, I feel like that might be, just might be the only shot. It, it, it just might be. I I don't know what else is out there. Of course, <laughs> I didn't know PG was heading to the Clippers. I didn't know Brody was heading to the Rockets. There's always shit that comes out of nowhere. And there might be a blindsided trade that ends up CP3 somewhere else. But right now, with that contract, with that much guaranteed money, with his age, the reputation of just running off players and players not necessarily loving playing with that type of demanding player, I just don't know.
I don't know where he goes. But we can be assured that when he does go somewhere else, we will revisit this. And the Agree to Disagree podcast will be back in full effect. I want to thank you for listening today. I want to thank you for continuing to listen. We're going to continue to build. At this point, I'm still amateur status. I apologize for random noises popping off in the background from phone alerts to vibration. When I finally pull it on vibrate to a bird chirping in the background to any any rookie steps that I'm doing on this podcast. For podcast sake, I'm an amateur on an NBA and basketball. I'm right there, though. I'm right there. I know what I'm talking about. I've been doing this my whole life. I've coached basketball, played basketball, watched basketball my entire life. I eat, sleep, and breathe hoops. So stay with me. We're going to continue to build this podcast, basketball, hip-hop, and just the culture of what we grew up listening to and watching and getting us through our days. That's all about what the Agree to Disagree podcast is about. And whether you agree with what I'm saying or disagree with what I'm saying, I welcome all of it. And I can't wait to bring some guests on and some co-hosts and just general conversation about hoops and hip-hop and the things that we love about our culture and the things we grew up listening to and watching. And I thank you for tuning in today. I thank you for tuning in tomorrow. I'll catch you on the next episode. Agree to Disagree podcast. This is your boy, Empire Jeff, and I'm out. Hey, this is your boy, Empire Jeff, and I want to thank you for tuning in to the Agree to Disagree podcast. I appreciate every second you tune in and every second you continue to tune in. But in the meantime, if you want to get at me, I'm on Twitter at Lyrical Empire and on Instagram at Empire Jeff. I look forward to hearing your comments. I look forward to hearing your feedback. And I look forward to bringing you another great podcast in the future. Thank you for tuning in and I'll catch you next time.